a discussion with Dr. Margaret Rogers. Welcome to Create with Tribulix. Hey, that's me. This is episode number 17, and now I hope you enjoy my guest as much as I did. Right. The audio is nice and clean. Yeah, these this is a set that I used when I do my audio for my my web show. But um, I haven't done anything in five months because of my husband wow. being ill, and I've got to call them because they probably think I've probably died myself. <laughs> um, I, I have it because of a man that had MS. I kept him alive for a couple of years with all my broadcasts and also. Um, you know, g- giving him treatments and things remotely and telling his massage therapist and people like that what to do. So uh, he gave me uh, the right to do it indefinitely and uh, to not stop. That's my promise made, he made me make. And I feel guilty because I have stopped because, you know, my husband's gone. But um, yeah, I'm going to call sure. him, you know, and carry on because mine's just teaching. You know, I'm just talking. I'm not interviewing anyone. Yeah, well, you know, it, the whole thing, and by the way, my, this show oh. is not really an interview. Mind uh, you, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> it's nice Hi. to meet you, too. I'm Tripp. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. Uh, I, uh, it, would, do you prefer uh, Dr. Rogers, Margaret? What do you want, like? Uh, most of my students call me Dr. Margaret because obviously my last name is a combination of two marriages. And by the way, I lost both the husbands. My children had to go back to England for the, his burial. Uh, and uh, they needed in, the ones that live here in this country needed in Gapakin. Um And I now know that my husband and my ex both died of the virus. Really? Oh, yes. And I also know, I knew it back in August. I was looking at people in the rehab where my husband broke his arm. uh, And I heard people coughing and splattering. And I thought, this place isn't hygienic, my first thought. And, uh, you know, it's a building, older building. They're going to pull it down here in town. And uh, so short version of that in a hurry. uh, Second fall. And in between these, he had pneumonia dry pneumonia, took him into hospital again. Then he had uh, his fibrillator started, so he nearly died three times then. Then they took him back in. All the time he kept moving him backwards and forwards between rehab, and he started this little cough, <coughs> you know. And I, and uh, myself and my friend were visiting, and we got home, and we were doing a little, <coughs> and we went, oh, God, what's, we picked up something. But me and colloidal silver, out it comes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were fine, um, but unfortunately, um, he came out, he was dizzy a lot, and then he fell again, went in hospital, and then all of a sudden, everything went wrong, and uh, we'd been struggling to keep going for years. Heart quit, kidneys quit, lungs filled with liquid, and he was gone in two days. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry for you. He had a hip replacement. And he was doing fine. Then he came, according to my family over there, he came down with a little cough because he was in rehab. And then they found him unconscious on the floor. They revived him three times, but the third time he didn't make it. So, you know, and then my sister nearly died from it, but she recovered. (laughs) Well, at least there is one good story out of that. And they're all Aquarians. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you were... um, you believe in that, huh? 
Oh, absolutely. I've been born with blessed, and maybe someone might say cursed, uh, with the ability to see everything in everyone. Mm. But I'm a full believer in the connectiveness in the bubble that we're in. I was so excited when we made the connection. Thank you. You know, uh, while you're talking, I'm, uh, again, I can't help but mention that I channel all my books. So I can write a book in four to 10 days, depending on how thick it is, if I haven't got anything else going on. Sure. And uh, the book that I think you'd enjoy from what I was hearing when you were just talking is uh, Quantum Entanglement, A Paranormal Point of View, where we take an Einstein's relativity to how there's many dynamics and they're all here on earth as well um i think you'd enjoy that the way you were talking <laughs> yeah well he um einstein was he wasn't a really big fan of the idea of quantum mechanic at his time period was relevant and he just had a problem with um, he had a problem with um, what he called spooky entanglement. Ah, a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of the uh, the quantum science things. I actually understand. I'm more of a. I understand quantum science for the real quantum science, not the. Yeah, that's a, why that was written. That's why the one that's wanted it here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll be honest, uh, a lot of times I forget what's in my books, but uh, every so often I'll go back and, and read a bit just to remind me. So were you yeah. born intuitive? Yes. Um, in my, God, I sound like I'm promoting all the time, in my life story book, I'll just say it that way, <laughs> I wrote recently that my... Um, publisher asked me to write because he said you've got all these books they're like in space out here all over the place and there's no thread that joins them together so um, he asked me to write it and that was a very nervous thing for me to do because I was giving away secrets <laughs> things that I'd uh, held back uh, because um, when I was born in 1942 middle of war that's all you heard is the the Germans are coming, get in the air raiders or whatever, because mother was a cripple. Where, where were you? London, right in the oh, center. Oh, you were in London. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, 15 minutes from Piccadilly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, so anyway, uh, apparently as she birthed me, uh, a V-1 bomb dropped across the street uh, in the Hammersmith area and uh, blew all the windows out in the hospital and things like that. And after the hullabaloo, as mum said it was called, uh, died down, they'd heard I'd been born and some nurses came to see me and held me and apparently went from shaking and all the trauma they'd been dealing with, with, you know, eight legs and arms and things missing and stuff like that, um, that they just went into this, oh, you know. And it was years later when I was actually in the Cheops Pyramid that I actually got into that sarcophagus in there and i where is this in the great cheops pyramid oh okay uh, i i took a group of people over there to egypt and uh so we had that middle of the night you know drawn in where we're not supposed to and and uh i didn't plan it but it worked out that i was the first one up there and uh, first one to get in and i went from huffing and puffing because you're going up an incline even though your mind says you're going flat along a hallway uh, and, um, you know, 
it was just like, <sighs> and I was as if I'd just got woken up in the morning and didn't really want to get up yet. <laughs> amazing, amazing energy. And of course, I was talking with George Norrie years ago um, when I first came over here in 82, talking about the pyramids and what I knew was under them and in them and so on. And it's all come to pass that people have found the... Um, you know, the uh, secret rooms. I mean, even the Japanese with ultrasound have found the rooms in the Sphinx that I was telling was there when it was still up to, to the shoulder here because my grandfather uh, was actually out there in Egypt during the war, uh, First World War. And I've got a picture of all the um, soldiers standing under the chin of the Sphinx. And uh, when my grandfather told me about how he felt about it, I was immediately about eight or nine channeling to him, well, there's these rooms in there and there's a great library in there and underneath there is uh, the channels for the water and so on. And he got so excited. <laughs> but, you know, it was just my way. I've always been able to um, listen to spirit and say whatever they were telling me. And, um, you know, we... Art Bell was into um, finding uh, dead bodies and things like that. And I'd been working with the London uh, police on murder cases as well over the years on and off. And, uh, you know, Jack the Ripper was, uh, there was a person called the Yorkshire Ripper and I was in on that. And um, little story there, it's in my book, but um, I kept seeing green. I had all these psychics around trying to pick something about who he was and I kept seeing green, green, green five times. And while they were all um, talking, saying the possibilities of who it was, I was drawing and I drawn the sketch of the man's face and they published that in the news of the world, but I told them you cannot show my name, I what are you coming after me? Uh, and uh, he lived and I told them he was a trucker and he was married and so on. Anyway, they found him and he lived in an apartment called, called uh, on the Green Street next to, with five roads that came together, Green Street, Green Avenue, Green Road, Green Close, and green, green something else. I can't remember the other one. Maybe street or something. But um, and that's where he lived in the building. And he was married and all the rest of it. And he was caught the way I said he'd be caught and so on. And, and that was the kind of thing people expected of me in England was to tell them their loved ones are on the other side and they'd survive touch. I don't do it now, but I could stand next to a machine and I could control the energy flow of the machine and make it pay out for someone else but not uh, for me i, I work in i work in computers and it's different I, now though i can walk into the room and the electronics will suddenly work mm. and my comment to many people is that i have a way with computers just not with women <laughs> I don't believe that. I'm sure you've got a winker and a twinkle in your eye. <laughs> so you've spent your life um, around the, the people that forecast things that we know are not, some uh, that we know are not true. And why don't you explain what that's like when you know and you know the feeling and you it, it, it the one thing about me is 
nothing happens for me. It happens to, has to happen for someone else. And you just made a comment like that. And I'm the same way. I not, um, I don't do things for, again, it's not the way the system seems to work for me. Um, it's not that things are hard. It's just, I can't make things happen for me. Well, um, you know, that's a big topic and I could talk forever on, on just that alone, you know, if I was at TEDx We've got plenty or something of time. stage. But um, now the, the bottom line is that unless you can grasp the consciousness of the oneness, first of all, um, you can't really, and I know before I ever was awakened to it, I'll put it that way, after I clinically died was brought back, um, I was always about everybody out there. You know, I've got to save every last person. I'd seen all these Jews crucified and buried and, you know, I'm not literally crucified, but you know what I mean in the sense of the the uh, history of the race. And, um, you know, and then I grew up with a black and white person can't walk down the street together because they assume that if she's with him, she's a tart, you know, all that kind of thing. And I came from an aristocracy background, which was traced back to uh, 16, uh, the uh, invasion of England from France. Uh, and uh, the name was de Poge. And... Um, people couldn't say Poe, so it became Pog and son of Pog, so my maiden name was Pogson. And so I got a lot of uh, people sort of thinking, because you know, if anybody's got son on the end, they've been somebody ancestry somewhere down history. And I used to get a lot of this snobbery stuff coming at me, not just from my family and my grandparents and so on, who lived, you know, high on the before all these things happen, you know, India and all the things like that. Uh, and uh, so I wanted this world where we would integrate our species. And the, the, I was naive enough because I was only eight, well, 15, 16 at that age, uh, breaking out into understanding boys and things, um, that um, I wanted this world to be full of love, divine love. Little, I was so naive, I couldn't understand that the entwining of philosophy, of originality, uh, originality versus new, you know, keep them together. Um, there's so many aspects, too many to mention here, of controversy. But in working with the oneness, I came to understand that there isn't one tiddly itty bit that you could come up with. Uh, even to an ant's nest, you know, there isn't one thing that isn't a part of the oneness. And the oneness relies on conflict. And conflict, when we take it down to its essence, is friction. And friction reverberates, resonates, and uh, it is the coming future. And uh, I've written a book where I've talked about how Haniel came to me when I was a child and saved me from the second bomb explosion, which I actually saw him. Six, you know, to me was a ginormous thing up in the roof of the ceiling of the room. 
uh, mum was about four foot nine, I was three foot, no, not even that, I was three years old, so I don't know. I'm looking up over her shoulder, seeing this, and then this loud bomb going off. And so he was always an influence in my life, subtly in different ways, until I had this death scenario with being given by my doctor some sort of tranquilizer pure that was supposed to keep me calm because I was so weighed down with business work family marriages going on the rocks you know all these kinds of things so um I basically um awakened to hey every piece of the puzzle however tiddly is symmetrical is uh you know in some way geometrical and i'd seen my own i'd raised my own kundalini uh in my life twice and i'd seen all the um diamonds and squares and cool. oblongs and it's just like you know a child's play box really uh, but I do say to people, please don't try this because people try it and they don't understand how, and you can cause internal combustion and you can sit, find pictures online of rooms where, you know, there's nothing burned, but the pile of acid and a shoe and a foot or something, you know? So, uh, I've, you know, early years, I had to stop doing it and earth myself because I was getting so hot. I had to learn what not to do in order to be able to do it eventually. But coming back to my point is that, let's say you sneeze and everybody goes, oh my God, I'm going to get the virus, you know. The likelihood of everyone in that room getting it only comes down to, I want to share. I'm not in friction I'm in acceptance, so I'm assimilating, so I'm unifying, so I'm creating an acceptance in me. Now, at that point, if they really think they want to get it, they're going to get it. Okay, it's sure. that simple. But if on the other side they're thinking, oh, no, you know, I'm pretty fit and strong and I'm working out and, uh, you know, nothing's going to happen to me, uh, then, you know, even if they did get it, they're not going to be ill. They're just like I did a couple of sneezes and it was gone, you know. Um, and so it's not, you know, the thing that we need to worry about. But what I do want to say here is about the virus. You know, I did put a, a post up on LinkedIn you might want to refer to about the virus. Uh, and it's in three parts, and I haven't done the fourth part yet. But when I first saw it, through it described to me exactly anatomically what's going on within this virus. And I don't know if we have much time, but I'll try and be quick. Uh, in the nucleus is the um, protein. And the protein is like we have XY, which makes us boy or girl, but the rest of our proteins that go to make our genes are all uh, ambient in that they can change and mutate and do whatever. So as we evolve, we look different and so on and so forth. Well, this um, virus uh, has the ability to mutate, but what's the interesting thing is it has around the surface these little orbs that stick up like a little thimble and their antennae and they have several functions because they can draw into through their orifices at the top of it uh, so it was shown to me they can draw into it bacteria that we have in our bodies gobble all that up that is taken down through the main uh, theme you know pathway whatever you want to call it in minute microbiology to the nucleus where it is then absorbed by the protein in there and whatever is in it 
causes that protein to adapt. And so, uh, and another thing I want to put to bed that one has told me is there's people saying that this was made by Chinese or Russian or somebody to, you know, cut our numbers down. It isn't. This is a, a very, very old ancient virus and uh, it was originally brought here, not, it didn't evolve here. It's not of this world. That's why it's so different and why it can mutate. And it was originally at the poles areas, which weren't poles in those times. And when the earth shifted and it was frozen over, these were all frozen. And now the poles have melted and uh, that's freed them up. And I was telling one of my students this and she, uh, and I said, you know, so they, they're viable, they can fly in the wind and, you know, and so on, and they can live pretty well anything because they were made to be adaptable to that kind of climate so long ago. So, so then I, she said to me, stop, stop, I have to tell you something. And I said, what is it? And she said, I just by chance found a thing on YouTube where the people who do the research on the ice up in, um, you know, the um, north and south poles, but mostly north because south's so cold, um, where they take these long tubes of ice and then they look back and they can tell by the solidity of what's in the ice what the world was like back then. Well, out of the blue, some of those scientists decided to look at those cores and they found the virus in there back over 5,000 years ago. She told me that. I haven't seen it. But that to me, as a channel medium, was absolute proof that I wasn't going through the back of my head. So I'm hoping people will actually read part one, two, and three when I write. I've got four to write because I've got to talk more about it's going to transition again and it's not gone. Um, it's going to work on the digestive system next because it's getting hungry. So we've got to be careful about all this food that's been... Um, altered. <laughs> um, and in the greatest overview, this is here to teach us, not to kill us, it's here to teach us that we have gone down the wrong slope, we've hurt ourselves, and now it's time to realize, stop doing what we've been doing, climb back up as, well, as it were to a higher point of consciousness and start making the changes that this younger generation who have three extra strands, some of them in the DNA activated, who will have the answers. But I won't be around to see it, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of that, Dad? What I'd like for you to do really quickly, if you wouldn't mind, hmm. is you said a couple things about your students and looking at the course. When do you think the cores are going to disclose that we are the second time? Say, what, what are you, what, what are you using? Cores, C-A-U-S-C? Well, when, that? yeah, that's what you call when you put the long tubes into the ground. Oh, those the, are called. The cores. Okay, you're talking about are, them again. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, when do you think it's going to be found that we are actually the second time of humanity? Um, that humanity well, uh, grew just as big as we are uh -huh. and over a million years ago and basically we're coming around again. Mm -hmm. So many believe that we were, you know, that there is one strand of humanity, but 
I have some artwork and objects that are 5,000 years before Jesus, mm. ancient things. And yeah. it, so <laughs> you really want to get me started on that. <laughs> we I'm are trying. the restart. Are we, what does interconnectedness mean to you? Well, first of all, this is not a third time, second time around. It's the second age in the fourth period of history here on Earth. Uh, and, uh, you know, actually, I've got to recorrect that. We've had the, in terms of our history that we can follow and prove by artifacts and so on, as you mentioned, is we've been through the Aquarian Age, the Taurus Age, and then we were in the Piscean Age, and now we're in the Aquarian Age. And, and each of the archangels, as we understand them as Christians, but of course, they've had 1,001 names in everywhere else in the world. Um, so under uh, Raphael, in the Aryan time, this was fight to exist uh, and to understand why you exist and what your purpose is and so on. And then uh, when this next age came along, the Taurian age, that was about, I want to be godlike, I want to be ascended. There was a lot of mixing going on in that time of different species going on, things like that. So it was a lot of manipulation of gene factors and so on. Um, and then we came into the Piscean Age, which was all about, uh, I want it, it's mine. And if I have it, you've got to pay me to, ha to use it, you know, kind of thing. I'm going to manipulate you. I, I want more of your land than I do of, of uh, my land, just because your land looks prettier than my land and so on. Uh, and so we were taking, conquering, fighting and so on. And we've learned the hard way through these three ages that um, we nothing is here for us to own uh, it is here for us to explore which we had in the Aryan age uh, and it is here to aspire to be greater as in the Taurus, Taurus age to uh, aspire to be better and in the Piscean age it was to learn that we don't own anything we can't take it with us when we leave so why do we hoard why do we insist and, and you look at Americans generally uh, across this uh, country um, they were eating um, I'm going back into the 80s when I came here they were eating steaks on their plates individually this size whereas I came from a country that where that would have fed six so um, I was shocked and appalled at the way food was wasted because obviously you know not everybody ate it all and I was you know it grounded me to think about these things but when I started to look at the gains versus the loss I could see the balance in the Piscean age towards where we're at now and now um, you know under uh, Michael's sword all the battles went on because basic energy was we were fighting for the good to get rid of the bad and now uh, under Haniel we're um, here to understand communication he is his vibration is to help us listen not assume, not think you've got the best plan in the world, but be open to reflection and contemplation with others and so on. And it's going to take time and it's going to take the power of spiritual entities that come into body and have come with a purpose and are going to set up some nice rules and regulations for the whole world. And I'll be amazed, I'll probably look down like a little angel from above, but I, I, I would love to see that.
that would make my soul jump for joy that everybody is not I'm black I'm white I'm brown or whatever or I'm a Jew or I'm you know I'm a uh, even I'm a, let's go the other way you know I'm a low woman I'm a prostitute I'm a queen we don't need status we don't need all this we need equal for everybody to be able to Impassion themselves, knowing there's always a helping hand, an insight, even if it's two words, something that helps a person to feel they're in the community, they're a part of it, they're contributing, and they have a purpose, a goal in life. For oh, themselves. I I agree with you, and mm. the problem is that as long as we believe that we need to have bodies, we're going to have this strife. Um, because to me, um, there is the idea, if you understand the way that reality plays itself out, the idea of things that we touch and things that are invented, you understand that these can be anything. So the idea of physical reality and what we consume like the steak that is this big uh, versus the necessity in other places um, when you feel energy around others i you know it, it's kind of funny um the age that we're living in now what was around in the 1980s when you came here wasn't possible and we talked you talked about aura and today you can see it with machines not in colors just actually my energy you can see it my husband was the starting factor of that with guy coggins that's why i met him <laughs> someone <laughs> captured an aura on film yeah cool yeah and yeah. We went on just briefly, uh, you know, Guy had a lot of gimmicks and things I won't go into, but we took everything out and just hung some crystals. And I was his main topic. And then we actually got him into, you know, cause I was well known in England into the psychic fairs and things. And they tried to prove that he was a fake and they couldn't. And he yeah, well, the, the whole thing is things, yeah. we're biomechanical beings. We're electromagnetic in our principle mm. where we are, we are pieces of energy. The thing it was that back then there was no way to measure that today. We're using GPS for guidance. It uses less energy than we admit. That so, brings us back to the sounds and the resonations and reverberations that uh, we're going to use in the future to heat and grow our produce. It's going to be amazing once they learn how to manage it. Well, if you need to actually consume, because energy in its sense, the way that, the way that things evolve in a plane, by the way, the if people that are listening don't realize this energy and all forms of matter and all things of sound are all on a singular plane it's um where on that plane you see or where on that plane you hear 
And when we talk about radio frequencies, it goes on the same plane. It's all one. Everything is really one thing. It's funny how it comes out that way, isn't it? Well, it is here for us, you know, uh, as I wrote in another book, um, the key, major key of C, uh, if you're oming, for example, and you're really into it, you can actually hear yourself within the arm of C, you'll hear da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you're oscillating then. And if you're quiet at night, when there's nothing on, you can actually hear your own aura. Uh, and there are times when I'm healing people and I go, oh, they're E flat. I've got to bring them into E because that's their vibration and where they're at. Or, you know, this person is in, is in a D sharp, you know, they're too negative and they're running around, you know, in a tis was, you know, I need to calm them down and bring them up to another vibrational music tone or something. And of course I do that with the crystals and the crystals reverberate energy and there's another form of sound and vibration. And, uh, you know, I could talk for ages about that. <laughs> um, but the, the process of uh, everyone, like if we die and we go into the spirit world, there's another note there that is higher in the next scale that is outside of our normal hearing here, which is hearing there normal. And as you ascend into the, there are seven uh, planes of evolution and that's uh, in each of seven level so we've got 49 steps if you like to go from in the darkest of beings to the lightest of beings and we play that it's like playing a musical tune we go up and down it in and out and we bonded with cell groups and soul groups and all sorts of groups that we can't even remember that we've bonded with throughout time i i don't think the world's ready for that yet for as long as we have the idea of religion as the gathering place, which is essential. We do need gathering places for the unification of joy. Let's put it that way. But um, even that's corrupt right now. So there's got to be a lot of changes. Sure is. Mm. Where are you physically in the United States? I'm in Arizona in a little town called Lake Havasu City where all the students come out with their dance oh, boats. Cool. <laughs> Have you ever gone to the, uh, how far are you from Phoenix? Uh, three hours drive. If you ever get a chance, there's a little, uh, there's a mall that's in Phoenix that has the best collection of crystals and rocks I've ever seen in my life. It, it, different than what you see in spirit shops. I mean, thousands and thousands of rocks and crystals of every, of every color and size and shape. Oh, I know. I, I love crystals of all shapes because they all resonate different sounds and tones and vibrations as well. Some of them we can't even hear. Quartz is so high, you can't even hear it unless you bring it down the tone or two. But the thing is that, um, you know, I, that I really want to share is my research on crystal acupuncture and pterogram therapies, which is my name, Margaret, spelled backwards. Uh, but it's good because it's agate slices and it's, you know, you can get all those words in, in the name Margaret. So we, we service marked my therapies. So it's just two of them. But I got rid of Parkinson's disease with that. 
I stopped the shake. I, I was really like this, you know, because my grandmother had it, my father had it, her father had it, male, female, male, female. And two of my sons have the shakes and they're already doing it. Um, but, it, you know, it took me no time at all to get my body straight and get my stuff and stop shaking. But it took me 20 years to deprogram my DNA of, you know, the ancestry I was talking about, snobbery and this and that, and the uh, RNA of all the people I've absorbed in my early youth of, you can't do this, Margaret, you can't be that, you know, whatever. And, you know, when you've got all this programming in you about you can't when you want to, it's a big damper. So once I got rid of all that negativity, I came alive again. I felt like I've got every... And so that's what I do with people. I help them to find that part in themselves. And uh, it's the most joyful moment for me. I have tears of joy when I see them, uh, you know, and what they turn out, what they go on to do. You know, it's just amazing. I had a gentleman here just recently who was many years ago, one of my patients, and um, he just came back to show me that, you know, he had a real hard time with relationships and having babies was a big issue and stuff and after everything we'd worked on he um came to see me uh many years later must be 10 years now and uh here he is with a baby she's six and having a wonderful time and he's applied everything that i helped him with and he's just sent me a little video saying thank you so i thought that was nice (laughs) you know but um the bottom line is i I don't want any glory. I want students. I want to leave the world with students and people that know what I've been teaching. And Japan was my playground. It was my growth. It was wonderful. Tell me about Japan. (laughs) How did you get there? I went there originally in 86 as a result of being at somebody's Japanese wedding here. And uh, unknown to me, everybody was standing up and giving the bride and groom a message. And it came to me and I didn't even know who they were. And uh, I just stood up and I thought, I'm just going to say a blessings on your marriage because I'm a minister too, you know. And instead out of my mouth came, I am very happy that you have found this man. I was worried that you would never get married. And he was talking in such a way with an accent through me. And it was her father. <laughs> And the next thing I know, everybody was lined up in the family to ask me questions. And she was so impressed with that, that she came up a couple of weeks later and invited me to go over with her. And nobody knew about anything psychic when I got there. Not a thing. They had the old beliefs and the old ways. And I was five foot, four and a half, five. And I could see over the tops of everyone. Today, the women are average five foot seven and the men are six foot one, two. They, wow. uh, and when I went there, everyone was wearing katans, which is a wrap over thing with the club shoes. Sure. And uh, in the nights out came the, um, the kimonos. In fact, I even had a kimono, which I donated to the Valley College in LA after I left because I used to sing and dance and stuff as well. Uh, and uh, you know, it was 
it was just incredible sight to see all these Japanese abilities and ways and means, but they were hidden in the culture of the old Shinto faith. They still believed in Harikiri, even though they weren't supposed to do it, some were, and even today, there's still a high level of suicidal situations. But they've come around, they've become westernized. You hardly, if you see a kimono today, you look four times because you haven't seen one in so long. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've got every kind of restaurant in all the big cities and everybody eats out. And so they've grown, you know, they've evolved and the old mama and papa noodle shops still exist, but most people just go there for a quick lunch, you know, if they're working. So um, I was so happy to go over there and help the women who are in arranged marriages and very miserable to understand they still had room within all of this to find themselves. And a lot of them, as a result of the sessions they had with me, ended up coming to my workshops. Workshops turned into you know, classes and uh, classes turned into training courses over the years. And I, I worked there until 2016 when my father died. Oh, and then okay. I came home and uh, had to deal with all of that. And my husband was ill with heart issues, kidney issues, and so on. So I've only done a few expos, um, 5D events, I've done those. I've done a few alien ones because I've had alien encounters. But generally, I haven't been helping anyone. But I've, I've come out of mourning and I'm now in transforming <laughs> and uh, trying to get my household organized. And I'm working with Janet Kira Lesson. Uh, we're going to teach on Zoom. So this is all new for me. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we're, I'm going to do free um, about six weeks of uh, going into relationships because right now everybody with the um, virus around keeping them tied down um, are, are sort of going crazy and, and they're now even breaking out because they've been allowed out and breaking up things you know there's frustration sure. there's anger so I thought it would be a good idea to do an hour and a half on zoom where I'll talk about different relationships and and the first one and then Q&A they can unmic and ask me questions or Janet and helps and give some guidance and then we'll break down the different relationships you know as time goes by like lover or you know mother child or whatever it is and, and deal with them in a more personalized way for people sure and and I'm calling them seminars because seminar means a gathering of people to converse you know mm -hmm. so I want people who know they're coming on to know they'll have you know, fine if we don't get too many, but uh, they'll have a chance to unmic and ask a question or, or write it in a chat box, something like that. Um, it's time. We, we, you know, we don't need to be all rushing around using gas and cars and to get to someone's event to hear them channel or do something. We can, we can use these computers that we, we've developed them, so why not use them sure. the right way? rather than all this the, dark web stuff. You know, know the thing, yeah, well, the thing that really boggled my mind about the electronic things is that during this virus thing, I'm stuck at home. 
And I met someone on um, that through the computer system, someone I had never met. And I didn't really know them, but I was able to feel them. So the idea of the boundary of actually knowing who somebody is is gone for me. I don't need to know that. I used to think that in order to connect with someone, they had to be in your presence. You had to know who they were. You had to see them. You physically be near them. And now you don't. So the idea of universal of universal touch is um, good luck on your seminar. Would you like, yeah. you know, there's a woman that I know that um, has been on with me that talks about love and relationships. Would you like for me to chain, uh, switch emails with you and you guys can uh, meet and maybe she could be part of your seminar because she's actually a love expert. Ah, yeah. I'm always interested in, uh, you know, other people joining us. I just, you know, Janet Lesson is working with me and she's doing the web and, you know, we're both fiddling around, don't know what we're really doing, but doing it, you know, better than not doing it at all. Sure. Uh, but I am looking for my team. Uh, you know, I had a team in Japan. Obviously, it wasn't just, uh, you know, Margaret promoting self or something. I had a whole company that uh, was marketing me before I ever even arrived and, and uh, letting people, you know, letting people know what I'm teaching and so on. And I'm hoping in time that uh, I'll be able to do that in this and country build that as well. Again here, yes, yeah. yes. But, you know, uh, thank you for any contacts. Anyone who wants to write to me, I'm always open to hearing what people Why, want. Why, certainly. Just I mean, if they have a problem, you know. I'm a minister, and there's that part of me that still does a certain amount for free. Like I went down in Spain years ago, uh, not Spain, Mexico, uh, years ago, and I was teaching uh, some of the uh, more elite, as they call them, down there because they're the you know pharmaceutical business and then on my day off they took me to the clinic where the poor people were and I was doing you know the work for them down there so I always try same in India when I was there you know um, going to ashrams and different things and then when I wasn't I was you know giving money to the babies or helping people you know I, I had a wonderful time in India it really evolved me to more awareness of myself, you know, and that's a wonderful thing about going to different cultures. If people realize just how much we could learn out of watching the way other people live and what they put sure. up with, or and you come home and you think, you know, I haven't got any money in the bank, but boy, am I rich. I've had education, I've got three chairs and four tables. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it, it's just amazing. I've never, ever taken anything for granted really uh, you know uh, um, I've always been cautionary about it because of the war I suppose it taught me that you know mum would say like uh, here's a quarter of a pound of candy uh, that's going to last the whole month you can have one and cut it in half or, or you can have a whole one and not one tomorrow you know and you had to make these kind of decisions uh, as young as we were it was good because it taught us to think before you grab something do you sure. really need it you know it's it's like those iphones when they come out uh, especially in japan 
I couldn't believe the blocks and blocks of lines going away from the place I was selling it. It's like, why do you want to have just the latest one? Just because it's the latest one, you know? No, we yeah. got to learn to live with the simplistic things again, I think. Yeah, well, you know, the, the other side of it, not only that, is that the greed and the greed and the hate are actually the real viruses. The things on the human body are, are, are a different state. But until we can get rid of, until we can get rid of what we would consider bad energy within all societies, the idea, the simplest ideas that you were talking about, what here is popularly called racism, in other places, it it is just a stupid sentiment within society. Mm. It's learned, though, through the last Piscean age. You have to remember it's two and a half thousand years. So yeah. um, th the bottom line is we're just like one second in the Aquarian age right now. So we're teething, if you like, learning that you know, what we did before didn't do as much good. So we need to find another way to um, function, basically, sure. and, and unify uh, and not... You know, this whole judgment thing, you know, we've heard it enough in ancient Bibles, uh, in the, um, I can't think of the word, you know, all the different Talisman and Taliban and their people, they've got it in their words. And then uh, India's got it in their words and so on, you know. And so why aren't we listening to those ancient people who left us messages? You know, they sure. didn't see our time because they couldn't understand this time. Like Nostradamus, he didn't know what a rocket would look like. All he could see was a sparkling light, you know, that whizzes off somewhere, you know. So we have John the Baptist, you know, and he wrote that he could only visualize it through symbology like the monster with the seven heads which means seven powers today but he wouldn't have known that you know yeah well in mean, his time also it's seven there were seven uh heads at that mm. time as well you're yeah. talking about um it, it, uh, I can't remember the. <laughs> I'm can't talking remember about the, the book of revelations as they call it as yeah, well yeah yeah, yeah. Mm so popular in american culture we were uh indoctrinated as children with uh witchcraft and warlocks mm. yeah well um well i thank you so much for being on i really appreciate it all right thank you i hope you enjoyed this episode apparently you did because you got to the very end let me remind you that the host does not necessarily endorse or agree with anything that the guests may say so don't hold me responsible if you could do me a great favor and please share this with one of your friends i mean even email work work and by all means if you happen to be on itunes please leave me a comment it would really help this podcast immensely until next time adios